Once upon a time, there lived two hobbyists. They were at the end of their road in their hobby, all washed up with no skill left. So they had a plan, and their plan was to start a podcast to reignite that flame and continue on that road. Unfortunately, it didn't work out, but <laughs> you can still listen to it, and it's called... Trapped under plastic! Yeah, man! <laughs> Hi, John! Hey, Scotty! We're at the end of our road. I feel really depressed right now. <laughs> okay. I think we need a little bit of closure from you, John. Some closure? Last week, you gave us an epic tale. You spun us an epic customer tale that had no finish to it. It was very depressing. Everyone gave you some good advice, which I didn't think of, which was tell your credit card company and they'll just reverse the charge yeah and i was like oh that's so smart yeah i could do that but but a different ending happened different ending there is a twist to this tale (laughs) so this is if you haven't listened to the last episode i had this terrible experience with bnh photo and video and uh over two weeks go by from the last time i had received any contact from them i had emailed said send this to your supervisor and they're like here's the supervisor email address and i sent an email to that and it got a return response saying this isn't a real email address so i sent back to them again saying can you please give me a working email to send to the supervisors please silence no response to that email yeah about i think it was 17 days go by yeah and then suddenly the day after the last episode of the podcast I can't dropped, tell if you're looking at me or not. <laughs> just assume that I am always looking at you. Okay, okay. The day after the podcast drops, suddenly, I get an email from some new random dude saying, uh, the situation has been resolved. You'll be receiving your four items. Wow. That one sentence. Okay. One sentence. Comment below if you think our podcast did anything to influence <laughs> that. I don't think it did. I don't. I mean, maybe there's like a BNH employee who watches and listens to the podcast. Maybe, but I, I think it's like 15, 20% chance. Maybe. But I think what might have happened is this goes on to relate to our next topic in the preamble ramble as I crack an applicable diet do here. Ooh would be that one of our goody peepees out there don't even say it may have poked B&H. I can't confirm that this happened, but okay. this could have happened. And why I say that is because one of my lovely patrons sent me a message the other day and he said, I was at the grocery store the other day going down the aisle and I, without even thinking about it, grabbed a 12-pack of Diet Mountain Dew and <laughs> threw it in my cart. And so I thought to myself, these guys need to be sponsored by Mountain Dew. <laughs> so he sent an email to Mountain Dew. Are you joking? No. Damn, this guy's awesome. Yeah. He's like, what's there to lose? I'm like, right. I right suppose. on, man. Right yeah, time, on. I guess. But that's it. Yeah. And uh, so he sent an email to Mountain Dew and uh, they reply back to him on where to contact for local distributors. So something like this apparently is based off of local. Okay. And so he gave me that information and I sent them a quick little note. So I I haven't got anything figured out yet with them. I'm I'm kind of parched. I need a little diet dude. Oh gosh. He's already shilling and the deal's not even struck yet. <laughs> yeah. 
So don't be surprised if next episode there is a giant neon Mountain Dew sign behind us, and this table and our chairs are actually just constructed of cases of Mountain Dew. <laughs> so that made me think: if he was going to do that with with like no input from us to Mountain Dew, yeah. maybe somebody was like, "Hey, B and H, you guys should check out this podcast. There's an interesting part in the beginning that applies to you." I suppose so. That is reasonable. I don't know, nor do I really all that much care the reason, but in my head, I'm going to tell myself that they somehow listened. It got up to the CEO, and they're all in this big, fancy boardroom. Yeah, with suits. With suits. And briefcases. It's a big, long table with a mahogany desk, and then somebody in the middle of the table hits a button. And it's our two goofy-ass voices <laughs> talking about miniatures. And these old stuffy dudes with white hair are like, what is, what is this? What is this hobby? What are they talking about hobby? Yeah, and they're like, wait, how many views does this have? And they're like, uh, 9,000? It's like, fuck it. <laughs> and then by the end, after the end of the, the rant, they're like, get, get Susan on the phone. We've got to stop this. <laughs> the poison is spreading. <laughs> That's why I got my four little fucking clamps. All right. Wow. You tied two preamble ramble topics that were presumably unrelated together masterfully. I, that was I, wonderful. You know, I'm a, I'm a soothsayer, some may say. Okay. I don't know what that is. You it's, have any preamble ramble, Scotty Booth? Soothsays. Soothsays. Uh, I mean, I can talk about some dreams I had. No, you said you don't dream, though. Yeah, but I do. I just, like, don't ever remember any of them. Right, right. Or, like, I remember, like, 1% of it, like, colors and shapes and, like, sensations. Oh, I don't know if I want You know who's a fan of the word sensation? Who? Not just Mika! Not just Mika! Okay, anyways, I don't. Not that I could think of off the top of my head, but I see one in here that I'm interested in. Ben Cantor did the color work on Sasquatch? So, have you heard of Sasquatch? It's a new docu-series on Hulu. No. Um, it's kind of getting a lot of... If you go into Hulu, it's getting a lot of hype, and they're pushing it. Okay. And so, it's a three-part docu-series, and it's just called Sasquatch. Uh, ben Cantor had posted online that, check out this docu-series on Hulu. I did all the color work for it. Mm. It was a lot of work, and I'm really proud of it. Yeah. I'm like, sweet, as I put it in my queue. And I hadn't watched it yet. But then as I do in the evenings now and I do my hills, I listen to various podcasts. And one of the podcasts I listen to is the Joe Rogan Experience. You may have heard of it. And Joe Rogan had the guy that made that show on as a guest. And it was freaking crazy. The docuseries, I'm not going to spoil it because I still haven't watched it myself, but I got an understanding. The docuseries isn't about Sasquatch. Wait, you watched the interview before watching the show? Yeah, but they don't spoil it. He's just like trying to tell, like figure out, like he's got some crazy stories in the, this guy that made this thing. Because um, he's kind of an under, he's known as like an undercover journalist and he goes into really, really dangerous situations. Oh. Like in his, earlier in his career, um, he like infiltrated uh, North Korea? Do you work for Vice? No. Okay for right-wing extremists like skinhead groups yeah very very scary dangerous stuff that he he had gotten into um but this this is about the northern california weed farms 
Okay. And in a, I think it's Mendocino County, Northern California, has compared to everywhere else in America, the number two county for missing people, Mendocino County has three times that many missing people. What the heck, dude? Yeah. So it's all, the, the whole story of this docuseries is based off of an experience he had in college with this crazy story he heard about Sasquatch mauling and murdering three dudes in the woods in Mendocino. Okay. And that, which happened like 20 years ago, was the foundation for this whole thing of him going and falling down the rabbit hole of the scary, scary world that is illegal weed growing. Wow. And legal, but still really, really protected by these folks that live up in the in Northern California. Dang. So yeah, it's it Sasquatch is the name and it's kind of the root of the this you know, this wives tale of Sasquatch lives up there because it's what people are going missing and being murdered and, and mauled. They're and blaming stuff. that, but it's yeah. kind of like an air quotes thing. Yep. Okay. That's cool. Good sales pitch. You know, you should be a salesman. I think you are good at convincing me to do things yeah but you you it, you get so convinced but then you never actually do them. that's not true i watched some movies you've told me to watch you, did you watch training day no not yet <laughs> you need to be in a mood to watch that okay? i think you kind of do all right yeah. I, before we move on we got can you just say why you're wearing sunglasses because everyone's gonna be like john's hungover on a friday no i'm thirsty hungover. thursday so these are prescription sunglasses and i drove up here and it was sunny and i got into Scott's house with my bags of goodies. Um, goodies. Mostly just mini paints and diet do. <laughs> and I'm walking down the stairs to the basement and I'm like, it is dark as crap down here. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm still wearing my sunglasses. So I'm, like, just, I'm just going to lean into it. Yeah. That's why we're wearing sunglasses. It's sunglass Friday. Tup sunglasses. We need tough sunglasses. I just bought, maybe, I like that. I just bought prescri- prescription sunglasses as well. It's maybe we can man. maybe we can dual wield next yeah. time. I don't have them yet. Also, oh, by the way, if you don't know who Ben Cantor is or why he's significant or like related to this podcast, he's <laughs> a miniature painter. Uh, he has some competitive success. He paints really well. He actually has a very interesting process um, that is documented on his blog, which I believe is just simply metal-af.com. It might be a different domain. Um, but the reason why it's so different and special is because he has an education and a career in color for cinema, which is why he worked on that docu that uh, docu series. Docu series. I was like, "What's the word?" Um, so yeah, uh, it's really cool. His process and approach is really cool to painting. It's uh, it's different for yeah. sure. Yeah, he's he is a color master. Master, master. <laughs> Pulling the strings. Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm waiting for it. Let's uh, let's discuss what we have painted after we take a brief break for me to get my water. Get your water, sir. Why don't you just drink from this water cup? It's only kind of brown. You need that that cool, that cool crisp, cold water, man. Green Gatorade. It's like half as good as soda, but you know, we're getting there. All right, now we'll talk about what we painted. And maybe we can get a sponsorship through Gatorade as well. <laughs> uh, shall you go first or shall I? You shall go first. Okay, so I painted a lot of things, but I didn't finish anything. Um, there's even one thing on the table, or it's not on the table that I, I started. Um, I worked on... 
Swagmaster 5000 from Curse City. I don't know what his name is. It's something Ven Elton. I don't know what it is. Elton the Third. Yeah, he's got a number. Um, I worked on it on the stream. I finished the jacket, did some fur, did the hair. And then later, when me and Amber were having a little art sesh by ourselves, I did the like the gold fabric, which is like the trim on the jacket and the sash on his waist. And I'm like really happy with the hair. <laughs> There's a little tuft of hair on his head. I like how cold it is. I used some paints here. Oh, you did. You used paints to I did. Uh, so the gray is nothing special. It's a neutral gray. But this blue faded ultramarine from Procryl was uh, the mid-tone that I then mixed with a little bit of white. I like that. It's nice and cold. It's cool. The uh, yellow fabric shaded with magenta, which was a trick that I learned from... Uh, rc's whose name is something can't remember it dang it um but i tried it out i think there's too much magenta in it at the moment it looks a little too so is this supposed to be like fabric fabric yeah. that is well i know it's supposed to be fabric but like oh. fabric that is colored gold or it's actually made of like oh golden sheen i was just thinking it was yellow yeah uh, it's like a it's a nice warm golden hue not trying to look like it's made of gold right not not yeah not reflective like silk or something like that um yeah, yeah. i but yeah i went a little too heavy-handed with the magenta um and i don't know then, i think it adds a fun little interest color interest it's one of those things too where when you get the rest of his armor and everything painted you'll have a better understanding of whether you think it works or not because it's just surrounded yes. by black right now and it's Yes, and there, there's a lot of gold coming. Um, I painted these vampires, or I, I mean, I didn't. I mean, I painted the red armor, but only from one angle. Uh, I didn't paint any other angle um, for the video. And uh, over the last couple of days, the white has definitely dulled down. I'm now noticing that a little bit. Weird, but that's okay. Like it's definitely brighter in the video. Um, so yeah, I just took a photo of a TMM example. And I tried to scale down the universe, essentially, like the light, uh, the surroundings, such that it would get realistic reflections and then try to copy uh, where the highlights and shadows are. Um, it was an interesting experiment. When it was first being painted up, um, it reminded me a lot of Flameon's results, which are very, mm-hmm. lots of white in those. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I painted that. And then um, I did a little experiment with my Sisters of Battle, had another hobby night with my buddies. I have this cream-colored cloth on my battle sisters, and you asked me last time how I was going to shade it, and I was like, IDK, my BFF Jill. And I just did all three different ways um, that I thought about at the moment. Uh, so the one in your right hand is just an acrylic wash, Seraphim Sepia from GW. The one in your left hand was I applied hard shadows and then tried to blend it with an airbrush but really struggled to find the right level of dilution, the right pressure and the right distance from the model to get the right accuracy mm. to blur this line. It was just like, it was spiderwebbing. It was like not doing anything because it was too thin. It was splattering because it was not enough air pressure. I couldn't find that sweet spot. I know people do that. I just don't know exactly how they do it. Maybe I tried something that was like too small, like it was too like in depth. I don't know. It's very, it's very Deno style. Cause he yeah. Does a lot. Yeah. And the last one is an oil wash, which is not perfect. I actually want to do it again. Um, that I buffed out. Um, one thing I need to try is when I apply the oil wash, just to like so let it sit for 15 minutes and then do it. I did it like immediately. Yeah. Yep. And, um, somebody just asked me yesterday about some technical aspects of the waiting process. Like how long do I wait for oil wash? Yeah. Keep talking. And the the short answer is, 
you know, I, I just tell people, you know, I wait roughly five to 15 minutes, but in actuality, it's another level to the equation to what your final product's going to look like. The longer you wait, um, the the different your final product's going to turn out and, okay. and you're going to do more of a buffing and it's going to be slightly cured and you're going to be able to get more of a haze. If you try to get that fade on wet stuff, it's a lot harder to pull off yeah. because it's not it's not stuck in at all yet. So it's either kind of ones and zeros. Either you removed it or you don't. Yeah. If you let it sit for 15 minutes, you have a lot more options, especially when you go in with the start with a little bit of mineral spirit side to clear that that thin white line down the center. And you take the other side and buff that on either side. You'll get a, an outcome that looks like more like this. Do you think that the longer you wait, the more it stains your original base coat as well? Um, yes, but you can still, as long as you don't wait like 24 hours, you can still remove it with the mineral spirit side. Like, yeah, pretty close to 100%. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, Last thing I worked on, which is not on the desk at the moment, is a very small, about 20 millimeter in size, hassle-free figure. I did a limited paint palette experiment. And uh, is that the dwarf lady that's yeah. jumping with the axe? Yeah, that's looking cool. Um, thank you. It was uh, the result felt very Roman Lapotish, uh, mm. which is I just felt like it was harmonious. Um, I don't know, and I, I wasn't like trying that super hard on it, I was kind of going a little bit faster, so it just kind of felt like you know, I'm learning something, um, and that's okay. And actually, that makes me think of something that I wanted to talk about, um. I feel like I never lean a hundred percent into a process that I just fully understand. Mm. Um, yeah. Like I don't, why didn't I just wash these all with acrylic wash? Well, I don't know why I had to go through this. Um, <laughs> I, it's almost to a fault. Uh, I, I'm sure that when you paint something every single time you are experimenting a little bit. Yeah. A yeah, little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, I think I just do it too much and I think it's affecting me because I feel like, I paint a model and it's like, what am I going to try this time? It's like, right. just fucking paint it, Scott. Yeah. yeah. Don't um, think about how you're doing it. I, yeah. And probably some of that too is the creator side of you. Like you, maybe you have an, you have an angle, you have a, a video yeah. topic, you have a, an approach that makes this unique. And so that is typically some form of experimentation. Yeah. Or explanation of something that, you know, moderately well but you're focusing on it and suddenly when it becomes your focus it it, it kind of o- overtakes just turning your brain off and painting the model yeah maybe i'll have to make a video that's like a therapy video where it's like you're not gonna learn shit this video i'm just gonna paint you're gonna fucking watch <laughs> i'm not thinking i will maybe talk i don't know <laughs> i don't know uh yeah that's all i painted how about you um okay so i, I painted and finished two things Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, the first one was uh, the last time I was here for the stream. I painted up my D and D character in a couple hours. The uh, the elf assassin. Th- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. From the Warcry box. Wait, I have a question for you. You uh, is it supposed to be an elf? It's not, right? No, he's a half vampire, half gnome. Right. Okay. Because <laughs> I I thought I remember you not liking elves. Is that true? Yeah, I don't dislike elves. Really? Huh. I could have sworn you made fun of them at several points in our friendship. No, I mean, it's possible, but mostly just to, <laughs> mostly just to jab at you. I don't know so much. All right, fine. 
Okay, I so like him. That. I like Where a, is he? I like a Woody. I, he's at the D and D table. Gosh, I didn't bring him. You saw him. I finished him here. I didn't paint him anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, it looked pretty swank. Yeah. So I get that guy a couple hours, and then for I painted a vampire as well. I painted from the same uh, War, not War guys, Warhammer Underworlds cursed something. Nope. What are they called? Oh, Crimson w- Court. Yes, Crimson Court. And I tried to find what her name is because she does have a name, and I couldn't find it. Um. And so, actually, part of this... Well, first of all, I painted these using 17-year-old dried-up GW paints, okay, which was a whole nother... There's the angle. Yeah, there's my angle. <laughs> <laughs> but once I got them usable, you know, the angle was kind of out the window because they kind of worked. The only big problem that I had is certain ones of them, even when I kind of brought them back to life, were still, like, chalky and grainy. Okay. Unfortunately... The one color that I could not avoid to use that was chalky and grainy was the chaos black. Oh, so you don't really, I just had to do a lot of little mixing on the palette and use very little just black on anything. So I primed the model with, and something new we'll talk about in a slightly different way, but I primed the model black and then tried not to use any black because I couldn't really, um, to mess with colors. So that's why this paint job is shitty. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I have questions though. Okay. Uh, go ahead. It looks great. Uh, I like it a lot. Uh, I think the effect is very striking. Um, do you find that you prefer to spend, uh, I know you said you spent six hours on this paint job, mm. but do you like to spend less than five hours on most paint jobs? Uh, obviously size willing. You can't paint a dragon in five hours unless you do with, you know, unless you take certain shortcuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think when I get to that somewhere in the five to eight hour range, I haven't yet start to futz. I haven't yet start to to overthink things and over commit to, I'm going to add a little bit like weird olive green down here and I'm going to blah, 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 blah. I, I just add enough depth where I felt like it was missing and to be able to walk away from it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think. I think I like that. Like earlier on when I was new to painting, I was like, I'm going to spend as much as it takes. Yeah. But I, I kind of wouldn't recommend that to people. Sure. You know, I would say, and I'm not saying put a time limit on it, but I'm just saying put it till it's done and you felt like you did something a little bit new or you got a little bit better at something and move on to the next one. Because eventually what you can accomplish in that five hours will be much better with the same amount of time just because of, of what you've gain through the process are you going to post this on your instagram yeah that's a video for that so yeah and i will post it on my instagram too okay. i need to take better pictures of it okay okay so i sent pictures and the blues on the armor don't quite show right? okay um i did actually take something from you in painting that oh because, yeah because lately i've really been impressed and kind of just like by how well, you can paint tiny, tiny faces. I do like painting tiny, tiny faces. I actually, when I was painting that one, I was like, man, I really enjoy this. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. And there's a, there's a whole separate kind of approach to painting tiny faces, and especially as a female face, but she's got lines. So I was like, I want to try to take from what I see from what Scott does when he paints tiny faces and see if I can do something similar. You got some eyelid action in there. I like that. You got the eyelid, a line, the white of the eye, a line, the eyelid, and another line. I like yeah. that. Yeah, that's it. The, the tiny little details that are still visible without them being too like too contrasty, over-the-top cartoony. Um, 
And I probably could have sat and spent three times as much time on that face to sure. do it. What I yeah. to do it because like it's not perfect, but I'm like I got to keep moving. Um, and then the skin was just kind of they have a color called I think it was like shadow gray or something. Yeah, like that's a, a color. Uh, it's kind of like that, but darker. Darker. Yeah, yeah, it's a dark gray blue. And that was the base tone for all of her skin. And then I built up with something they had. It was called Undead Flesh or something. Uh, it's Rotting Flesh. Rotting Flesh. Yeah. I And then I built up to Rotting Flesh on, as the highlight. So to, to keep this kind of undeady feel. Yeah. And it wasn't didn't quite have enough depth to color when I was done. Yeah. So I took a magenta. Which purple? warlock warlock purple, purple yeah i think yeah and then i glazed that in certain parts oh magenta yeah um <clears throat> and then to add more depth to the skin and kind of glaze that down into the shadows a little bit around this the parts of the skin and that seemed to help add a little bit more depth of color there okay you chose to do nmm is it because you had no tmm paints available to you i had all of the tmm paints in that set yeah and they were all rock hard <laughs> and i'm like i know if i try to bring these to life they're already going to be shit paints in an <laughs> ideal scenario. Actually, Bolt Gun, Mithril, and Chainmail were legit metallic paints. Okay, uh, I, I'm not sure if they have the Vince stamp of approval, yeah. but like I, they're for sure better than uh, Iron Breaker and Dawn, whatever the fuck they're called. Um, Stormhole yeah. Silver. Stormhole Silver. Uh, yeah, uh, was the Teal Hawk Turquoise? Yes. Yeah, we're in my wheelhouse right now. Yeah, Citadel Pants. You knew all these. I like it. It's cool. The the scorched earth was the base for the cloth up to the terracotta, and then a little bit of a scorched cap. brown. Scorched brown. Man. Scorched brown. And then dark flesh is a terracotta. No, I no, think. terracotta is an actual color. That's it's called is the color. terracotta. Yes, I don't believe you. It's called terracotta. Send me a screenshot. I don't believe you. All right, I will. I will. It'll be showing on the screen right now. <laughs> terracotta, bitch. It just says dark flesh. <laughs> dark flesh is in there as well, though. Yeah. Okay. And that was a color I did bring back to life because I thought it was a nice color. I want to use it. And then a little bit of the, they have a khaki. I can't remember. It's something Creek, not Creek khaki, but a commando khaki. Yeah. Commando yeah. khaki yeah. is the highlight for that. And I like the, the, how the cloth turned out. Yeah. And what we talk about in the after party today of new things we've tried, there's two things. One of my new little secret on priming, but two, the, um, how I did the the fade on the this cloth from that really dark color up was super super simple and it turned out really well. I thought for how much time I put into it, it was like ten minutes. All right, cloths. You know, I watch all your videos. Um, when I when I when it's Friday, at some point Amber goes to sleep like ten thirty, maybe eleven, if she's feeling mm -hmm. a little exploratory. Um, <laughs> And I stay up until like, I don't know, three in the morning. <laughs> uh, and I'm usually under the influence of something. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm like, it's the best way to watch, my watch John's video. Cause that's just, I'm just there with the TV. I'm chilling on the couch. That's why I watch your videos. Just wanted you to know that. Okay. There's no, that's just it. Well, I mean, it's enjoyable. I like it. Did you see my, my last one where I did the old timey intro or have you? Not yeah. Watched that yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, I definitely watched the intro. What's the whole video about? How do you not remember? It's your own video. Oh, 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 oh. You're talking about boxes. You, oh, boxes. you have too many. Oh, I painted the box game for Creature Caster. Oh, okay. Did not watch the whole thing. Watch the intro because you mentioned it and I thought it was hilarious. It's painting your box painting your box game easy. Yes. In four simple steps. Yes, which is you know, very relevant because people buy 
boxes of miniatures all the time and then end up painting one model like yours truly yeah i i was a little bit this is a little silly thing but like the the back halo on her hair it's like it looks like there's actual shine there. I'm like, I'm so proud of that. Yeah, dude, that's that so minimal. That specular highlight on the hair. That's where the highlight would bounce back right in my eyes. Yeah, and so much of the hair looks like it was hardly even painted. But it's kind of like it, if it's a dark, uh, almost blackish purple hair. Yeah, it wouldn't have like the GW hit every single strand that it's super light. That's what I thought anyway. Right. Also, I didn't want to spend an hour painting every no, strand of hair. It's a good in between choice in for be, sure. In betwixt betwixt all right topic for today is how to make your models pop pop in i'm making eye catching the topic was given to us by tim space capital z lowercase h tim um <laughs> thank you tim for the topic we appreciate it if you want to give us topics to discuss on the podcast you can do that via being a patron of ours which is linked down in the show notes or description below depending on where you're watching uh okay chill over um did you guys know that every time we get a new patron we take a shot of patron that is true yeah so if you all we, join we're gonna die there there's no verification for that process but it does happen yeah it happens. trust us trust us we're we would never lie to you we're very trustworthy uh-huh. very very trustworthy. so popping okay so maybe we define what do you mean by popping and i, I say, don't want this to just be like how to make your paint job look better yeah okay i mean because that's at the core of what this is probably that's what it is but i think there's a certain angle we can take to define popping and here's what i thought on the car ride okay okay define away define popping okay and it can it it can hit a, a spectrum one end of the spectrum you're in your local game store or you're at the uh convention playing in a tournament and people's rolling dices and stuff and measuring out duders to other duders and looking in books for the rules because you can't remember all the rules. That's why the game takes way too long. <laughs> and people are walking by and the people go, <clears throat> and they see your army. In a sea of armies, your army pops mm. at 10 to 20 feet. Yes. That's, what, that's what I was thinking. That's what yeah, yeah, yeah. popping for me. But that sliding scale also goes up to the competition painter (laughs) and so in the giant display case where everyone can look at all the pieces submitted for the competition hey wear your sunglasses i took them off to look at your crappy models oh okay i'll put them on right now while i tell my story because i can multitask okay so while you are looking at the display case in the competition and you try not to make your headphones fall off your head you're too far away from the mic I'm not too far. Okay. I can't multitask. I was wrong. <laughs> so, so when you do that, when you're in that situation, your eyes find themselves to one, two, three, four models that jump out at you in a sea of well-painted stuff. Some, wherever your eyes like zoom, is drawn to, that is the popping mini. Okay. How we pop it, Scott? Honestly, I don't know the answer to the second scenario because I... I'm trying to think. Okay, there's one stupid answer, but it's like, it's stupid. Um, You're stupid. Let's come back to that, though. Let's talk about <laughs> making your army pop from the table. And I, th- what I said is I think, <laughs> I think they're, they're kind of the same. Now, there may be a different approach or to a different level you're trying to get them to. Yes. But I, I'm just trying to say that this is not just for the army painter. This is not just for the try-hard painter. This is not just for the wannabe... Uh, 
competition painter. Or not just for a commission painter. Could okay. be. I think there are <clears throat> keys in these that relate across the board. It's just how much time you want to spend in, in them and how uh, efficient you can be. Yeah. Them. I think any competition painter worth their salt is going to do these things in moderation that I'm going to discuss. So that's why most pieces to me look pretty like they're all good. Like Yeah. Um, okay. So let's chat. Let's chickety chat. I think the let's chinwag. That's a new one. I like chinwag. Do, do not cross my swords, dude. Yeah, chinwagon. I like that. What if I like scraped the edges on each other? Would that make you mad? Of the swords? Yeah. I mean, like they're not painted, so I'm okay. They're primed. They're primed. Um, for I'll start with a little little diddly for you. Uh, little if diddly. you want your army to stand out from everyone else's, just build up your bases about six feet high with a cork. <laughs> <laughs> The cork tower. <laughs> uh, no, for real though, having like an impressive uniformity to a different style of base in your army is definitely going to draw people in. Um, I like, uh, for instance, like maybe there's an army that has like ballistas in it or war machines. I love it when people put those on bases that match the whole army because the bases would then be larger, giving you more space for fun things. Mm. So a really fun uh, base uh, that is not just dirt, and two tufts and that you dry brushed gray over black so, like so, so, so three tufts two tufts with one that's a different color yeah okay okay yeah yeah, yeah. one hot pink tuft <laughs> yeah i have that you know gamer grass makes a hot Shut. pink tuft hey gamer grass hook us up what? <laughs> did you say hook us up but it was one word yeah. all right yeah so cool Different style of bases that you put a lot of effort into that are uniform across your whole army. That is very eye-catching to me when I am perusing the competition halls of Adepticon, which I do often do. Asterisk, though. A little asterisk that's on, my, on my Scott, Scott's recommendation here. Don't use cork. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that. But, I mean, you can use cork. It, yeah, it, cool. it works. Yeah. Cool. It, it, but... Don't make your mere basing should be interesting, but don't make your basing be the center of attention compared to your model. Okay, sure, yeah. Good, for the same caveat. for the same reason, you don't actually make cork tower to base your stuff because if your basing is six inches tall and your model's an inch and a half tall, like the model is just not the focus of attention anymore. Yeah. Instead, it's like, what is this stupid cork tower? Yeah, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Sure. <laughs> Tom? No, you make like an obvious point, and then someone says sure, and then they kind of continue the conversation. Yeah, so Come on, that's Vince, bro. Oh, oh yeah. I was like, I it's it's obviously from Warhammer Weekly. I'm okay, to think okay, okay. It, is it Tom or Vince that says? Yeah, okay. Vince, love you, buddy. Yeah, because usually Tom will go off on some. Do they long, both do it? Long-winded thing that is like doesn't really have a point for like a minute and a half. Yeah, and then Vince's response is sure. <laughs> <laughs> Like oh, that's sa- great. savagery. <laughs> Moving on to relevant information. All um, right, that was my popping point. Popping point. Your bases, up. but also the bases don't have the color of the bases overwhelm the models. Like people like to do this a Martian Earth orangey thing. Yeah, and if you overdo that, it's like all I see is bright orange base. I don't see your model. So if you're going to use something like a bright color on your base, you have now upped the ante on yourself to make your models pop even more. Yes. You better pop them. And how do you do that, Jeff? How do we pop them? Okay. One way. Pick my nose while you talk. One way is to have a really strong, vibrant pop.
pop color. Yes. So one color that is like, oh my gosh, I can see that. that, Yeah, I can see that all the way across the whole auditorium. Because that bright ass lime green that's popping on all those models draws my eye there. And once my eye is there, then I can see all the other cool stuff and how well you've painted it. Mm -hmm. But you don't have six bright, vibrant colors because that can just be too much clown fiesta yeah clown clown fiesta is a great like that's a great like orc army name like (laughs) welcome to clown fiesta (laughs) when we serve tex mix you got red wigs on (laughs) white skin paint Um, uh yeah that pop color i think is is really important you can have a variety of colors on your models even if you're doing like a grungy grim dark army having some just bright vibrant small it doesn't need to be a big thing in fact if you overdo it it can be a little bit gaudy but this just the gems are this glowing Mm. pink or you know on this guy it's actually he's a hq so his cape is all this awesome color this bright vibrant red yeah but other people the troops it's just on some smaller parts but having a strong color and what i mean by strong is i mean that like it's Really vibrant, really saturated, like um, almost fluorescent. Um, yeah, a bright, a bright color. And if you're basically, if you take any color in the Chimera range, any of the primary or secondary colors there, and you have that on opaque as the main color, that's bright. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a neon orange like this one or this pink. <laughs> you're taking my pedestal. Like Scott's got a little a fluorescent magenta here. That's a great one to use. But you could use a straight orange here because they're so vibrant so saturated so saturated in color so i'm not saying paint all your models with some part neon on them yeah just know that certain paints are very saturated and vibrant in nature and don't muddy them down too much and don't highlight them up with white too much because then you're actually desaturating and pulling away from the pop let the vibrant color right out of the tube still show through by the time the paint job's done that's true yeah this is this this is a especially a topic that exists on a spectrum because like if you have a space marine army and you want to paint them turquoise obviously their armor is going to be turquoise and it's going to be a bright vibrant color but you can temper that pop with shading and with highlighting as long as enough of that mid-tone sticks around it's still going to look popping um great great advice thank you advice number two Clown Fiesta. Clown Fiesta. Uh, a little bit different. Glossy effects. Whoa. Bloods, muds, gems, TMMs. They're all shiny and chromey and reflective, and I, that makes it pop on the table. And amidst this, all, all this terrain and things and other, you know, olive drab Imperial Guard armies. Make them shiny, dude. Literally shiny. Um, like this dude. That dude would fu- an army. That dude. Holy balls! That yeah. everyone put sunglasses on around that army because they'd be like, "Wow, it's popping too much. It's so much pop. Yeah. I can't handle you this just pop." Bring champagne bottles around that army and just pop, pop it off, dude. Yeah, baby. So it's and this is like oh, you didn't just paint this with Iron Breaker and then put a little red on that. Top. Yeah, I'll put some shade on it yeah. to mat it down into just shit metal. Yeah, yeah. It, you use that Molotov. Molotov. Tov, yeah, it's a V. I'm an idiot. Molotov. I call it Molotov like a dingus. Um, but I think in like the the mother tongue, <laughs> I think that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> but you that chrome is like like make your eyes bleed bright. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that chrome, and then you put that that translucent, you know, the transparent 
uh, red over the top of that chrome. Yeah. And this thing, this hits both boxes, my last box and your box. Yeah. It's super bright pop color that's so vibrant. And it's shiny AF. Yes. So just copy what Scott did with this vampire. Watch his video. Don't watch where he actually painted the other vampire. Just look at. Fuck that. Yeah. Do that. Do this. And uh, bam. So if you've watched that video, this is a side note. Uh, painting on top of Molotov causes that crackling effect. Um, and someone messaged me and they're like, I found one thing that works as a varnish after that specific chrome that allows you to paint with acrylics on top of it. And it was an all clad clear gloss varnish. I believe it was all clad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have to look again and I can link it in the description below if you're interested. Um, I haven't tried it yet, but that is cool if you wanted to use that Molotov chrome as like a first step, which you, you probably want to, and then paint afterwards. See, my experience with cracking um, is I've had some stuff crack in with oils and it has to do with the dry times. Okay. So if the underneath Ooh. layer is not fully cured, and then the top layer cures faster. Yes. That. And, and then the dro- the top layer is cured and, and completely dry and set. And then the, the under layer gets cured and it kind of shrinks. And as that shrink shrinking happens, it cracks the top layer. Um, like an like a M&M. Yes. You know? Just um, like an M&M. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. And some person mentioned that in my comments. Actually, now that you say it, is I should have waited... 24 hour, 48 hours, and then put the paint on. So Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't no one got time for that. And I wanted to, I didn't want to say this on, in the internet, but what if with Night Lords, mm. you chromed it up, just, just the shoulder pads, and then painted it with black, it crackled, and then you hit it with a blue translucent thing. Whoa. That'd be super easy to do and look fucking badass. Okay. Okay. Keep the pads off if you can. It's too late. I built them. Fuck. Uh, wouldn't that work though? I think so. So it's bright silver, and then it cracks. It's almost like a lava base. Are you cracking to see the little bright silver underneath? Yeah, and then you hit it with a blue because it's like lightning. Or you don't. You can do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> or purple if you're is feeling there, spunky. Is there cracking on this? Maybe very minimal cracking. Uh, if you look at a shoulder pad, you might see some red crack. I want to see that red crack. <laughs> Uh, but I literally base coded that like, I don't know, like nine or 10 times. Oh. I was like, stop cracking, please. <laughs> well, you could fix it because I can't see anything. Granted, I'm wearing sunglasses right now. But, <laughs> but I, yeah, in the video, but when you it can cracked, s- Yeah, I could see it in the video. Yeah, it's nutty. So when it cracked, you can see the silver underneath? 100%. Oh. Actually, you know what? I painted it red and then put black on top of other areas and it still cracked Woo! so maybe you could just paint it blue and then put it on and then it would still same thing would happen i don't know i think the effect would be more severe if you did it immediately after the molotov i have to test this yeah i need to get some of that yeah molotov i'm gonna do it before you though so i get the cred okay oh, right right I'm right fine. right right fine okay so we got shiny butts shiny butts we got uh clown shiny fiesta butts. yeah <laughs> we got we got cork, cork tower, tower. <laughs> These are all the chapters of this video. Okay. Right, we're going to make a book, and these are all the chapters <laughs> of making Fiesta your Cork Tower. All right, you're up. Okay. I got. I got. I think I got one more. Okay, I got I got one, um, and I hope it. it's not the same one that you're going to say. Don't say it. Is don't be afraid of bright white. Okay. So often in our models, people ask us for C&C. Give me that sweet C&C, Scott, right in my BH. <laughs> and uh what do we what do we say oh nine times out of ten you need more 
I don't know. What are you talking about? Con. Contra. Contrast paint? Contrast. You need more contrast. Uh, You need to push your highlights further. Push it to the limit. You need to go darker in the shadows. And this doesn't mean that I'm saying if you're going to do this for an army, you're going to do this for a whole squad of 20 brosifs, that you got to spend so much more time, but... You need to use your time efficiently of pushing things brighter. If things all meld into the mid-tone, and it's like if uh, using the Vinci V scale of of painting right here, if one is your darkest shadow and 10 is your brightest highlights, if your model is all living in the four to six range, which most of us are guilty of, if it's all living in the four to six range, nothing's too dark, nothing's too bright, when it's 10 feet away or six feet away, I don't see much. You fucked up. You done fucked up, son. <laughs> That's it. So find a way, and this isn't the necessarily the episode. Maybe you can you can do some further digging. There's plenty of YouTube resources out there about adding more contrast and brightness and depth to your models, even and, quickly. And non-YouTube resources. And not, apparently non-YouTube resources. As we highlighted last episode. Yeah, this is this is... A, uh, a series that builds upon the further chapters. Yeah. yeah there might be some repeat info, but <laughs> shh, shh. more episodes that go by, the more we forget what we already talked about. So <laughs> it's, it's, okay. so true. it's okay. It's so true. So push up your highlights further than you think you need to. And don't just use white. I use white because that's the obvious example, but white will often will desaturate your color. So if you're going with a red and you're just adding white, it's becoming paler and paler. Instead, you could have red and add this crazy fluorescent pink to your highlights. And there you're building contrast of color while still keeping it vibrant and interesting. So do not be afraid to push it. Yeah. And I want to add a caveat to that as well. So like when John says, don't be afraid of bright white, he doesn't mean like your highlight should be like 80% of your, you know, the thing you're painting. Uh, Just including a very small amount of bright white gives your model more contrast and more shape and more definition. So really think about layer size and highlight size when you're adding those brighter tones. You don't want to run over your mid-tone and obscure what the color of the marine or whatever you're painting is supposed to be. You want to do it tastefully tastefully yeah and it's it's a hard thing that is a that is a journey in and of itself absolutely i am learning that now tens of years after starting tens of years Ten, no. folks okay hold tens on. of years i started painting when i was 10 years old and i'm 29 right now we're almost i can almost say tens of years yeah i don't think that's a real term Tens of years? Yeah. Yeah. Hundreds of years. Thousands of years. Yeah. Tens of years. Nobody <laughs> says tens of years. Ones of years. <laughs> I think you just say years. <laughs> <laughs> if you just end in of years, it makes People no- say tens of years, okay? Can I get some backup from think, the fucking goody peepees? I think they just say decades. Oh, why the fuck do we call them goody peepees <laughs> when we have a much better name in sprudes and spruettes? Because they're both. Because you can be... Yeah, but one name sucks and one name's awesome. (laughs) Listen. Listen. Everybody that is somebody has multiple nicknames. Oh, that's true. Yeah. My dogs have like eight each. Yes. 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 And because of that, they need more nicknames. You need more nicknames. Scott needs a more derogatory nickname. Scooter. Scooty Pie. Scotty. Yeah. Scotty too hottie. Yeah. Scotty doesn't know. Scoot. Scoot. 
Scooter Pooter. <laughs> That's tons. All of these will work. <laughs> if you see Scott ordering at Jimmy John's, just do say, not say that. Say Scooter Pie. <laughs> I will slap you with my fucking <laughs> Salami Nightclub. <laughs> and then as you get up, he like opens up his bag of chips and drops it on your face. <laughs> just open my soda, just splash it out. No, I won't do that. That's uh, what Scooter Pie gets you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got one more. Size matters. Oh wow! Okay, all righty. Let's let's hear it, Alario. Big models, baby. Paint Having them. that centerpiece model always helps. Size matters in a ocean of tiny little dudes. Yes. So big things, dude. Big terrains, big display boards, big models. Obviously, um, that makes your army pop from a distance, and also, uh, consequently, in the display case. Um, larger scale figures look cooler, look more impressive. They always win. Uh, they, I mean, yeah, they al- always win best in show. It's always uh, like a first, second, third is like large scale, large scale. Maybe a fantasy, but really it's a 54 millimeter scale model. Yeah. <laughs> or, or it is, it's Warhammer size 28, 32 mils, but there's a thousand of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a foot tall. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like an Inquisitor where it's like, that's not 32 mil scale. That's a yeah. 60 millimeter tall model. Yeah. So how this really, uh, what I take away from this, you say size matters, but size with the caveat of the other tips that we already said, right? You want it giant. You want it on Cork Tower. Now it's double size. Now you want to paint it like Clown Fiesta. Boom. Now you use bright white on everything. Oh, you can't avoid it. It is going in your face hole and out your butthole. That is what you need to do. Yeah. So the solution here is play an army of knights and paint them all hot pink Mm -hmm. with white details. Yes. With a... And then you green stuff a red clown nose on the night. <laughs> I will see your army from across the fucking room. You know it who's unavoidable. Yeah, you know who's not going to see that army? Nobody. De- blind people. Yeah, that's it. And even them, they're going to walk by and be like, oh, my God, I was hit. I was hit by a wave of force. I can feel warmth. <laughs> and it just hurts my soul. Oh. This, this is what we need. We have found, we've cracked the Da Vinci Code on <laughs> how to paint, paint your models. But in reality, that big centerpiece model, it, it you still have to take into account the other the other tips because it needs to still have the vibrant pop color mm. and the smaller army of skeletons around that giant vampire centaur thing will still have that that blood red on it a little bit. But mm. that thing's got this big cloak of blood red or whatever. Yeah. And you have the shiny drips of the blood that are hanging down from the weird wing thing. Yeah. You know? And so you you kind of crank it up to 11 on that centerpiece model. That's what's going to draw people. And then once they're there, they're going to say, wow, they painted all those sea of skeletons. Awesome. And they fit and their basing all works. Right. You know what I'm thinking about right now? The, I mean, the same considerations that someone has while painting a display model are applied to an army in whole. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like you have like spot colors on a display model. It's like when you look at an army, you're going to have certain things that are eye-catching and spot colors. You're going to have certain elements that draw your attention and then kind of guide you around the army to look at certain various details. It's like the army as a whole is a display model. Right. Consider it one piece. Wow. Wow, I'm so smart. You need that. We need that meme of the dude going... Yes, into exactly. The, into the universe? Uh, yes. I was going to say Mike Tyson, but it's... <laughs> not Mike Tyson. It is... 
Neil Armstrong. It's not him either. It's Neil Patrick Harris. Yep. Nope. <laughs> That's not it either. I thought of one more. Mm, okay. Kind of in the vein of this. I was uh, trying to think of more Neils. <laughs> yeah. It's not Neil Patrick Harris. I can't think of his name. He's really good at science. Uh, Neil Tyson DeGrasse? Neil DeGrasse. <laughs> this is so fucking bad. We're running inflamed so hard for yeah. this. Um, uh, freehand. So uh, in your armies, you're going to have opportunities for freehands, whether it's on large armor plates or on large banners. Sprinkle that shit in like it is a spot color on a display model. Uh, and it doesn't mean you need to be good at freehand necessarily. You could use decals mm. on those big flat surfaces. Now, we're kind of in the advent of sculpted detail on banners now at GW. Yeah. Not a fan. Not a fan. It's a coloring book right there. I know. It's like, come on, give me some area to fucking work on that isn't drowning in goddamn detail. Now, not everyone thinks that way. No. Not but I think that way sometimes. You do. Yeah, I, I think do. that way. I do. I like a coloring book as much as the next guy. <laughs> but in the uh, Curse City box, the skeleton banner bearer, that one doesn't have a sculpt on it. Hell yeah. But it's kind of ratty and stuff. It's skeleton-y, you know. It's skeleton-y. <laughs> but it's not big. They probably are like, oh, it does not hit our minimum size requirement for pre-sculpted. <laughs> I don't know who that is. That's some, the, some Russian guy. This is what I do for my job, and you are not the... The person that tells me what I sculpt, I will sculpt a thing. I want to sculpt it. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay, I just had him. I had him backwards. Yeah. Well, I think. Yeah, you said it. I said Neil Tyson. All right. No DeGrasse. flame in the chat. We figured it out. That's not the guy I was thinking of. The meme that I'm thinking of. Though. Isn't he do the thing with the exploding head? Oh no, shit! It's it's uh it's Tim and Eric's uh, awesome show. Great job. It's fucking Eric. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's it. That's yeah. it. Duh. Oh it looks like it's 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 like 70s style yeah. grain on the thing. <laughs> Yeah, universe. I'm glad we got here. I really am glad that Jesus. we we imparted so much knowledge on how to make your models pivoty. Wait, are we do- are we done? Are we not done? You have one more. Yeah. Uh, take your models, put them in a vat, and just uh, cover them in champagne. <laughs> and then they'll be popping. They'll be popping. I thought you were going to say simple green. Oh shit! Because you shouldn't actually ever paint something and be happy with it. You should paint it and hate it and then simple green it and do that until the end of time. Yeah, and you should do that with just a single model. You should just paint a model and be like, I'm better. I'm going to redo this because I now I know more things. And you should never paint anything other than one mini. Yeah. 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 And you, you should actually still... keep buying the models. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but once you get that one perfect, you'll move on to the next one. That's yeah. the real tip. Yeah, don't paint things you care about when you're not good. Yeah, yeah. Because do we gotta we gotta warm up on spoons and green army men. <laughs> I can't say that without <laughs> fucking dying. Obviously, we're joking. That's all bullshit advice. Paint your stuff. Paint it all. You know what? You're gonna get better. You're gonna get better, and you'll have a backlog of how you got better. It's this little like timeline. It's like little fossils you find outside. They say, oh, look at this is the Mesopotamia period and this is the Jurassic period yeah. and this is the yeah. John and Scott died in their basement period. Yeah, and then when somebody comes over to be like, oh, you paint me? Show me one. You, you, you have something more than fucking spoons to show them. <laughs> well, I haven't actually painted one yet. But but check out all the gear I got. Yeah, look at all these army men that I airbrushed a different color. Yeah, <laughs> a different uh, uh, what is that color shift uh, thing? Yeah, we got some. You want to see my color shift spoon collection? <laughs> we need to do a video. <laughs> yeah, dude. There's an IKEA case, and it's just in the case are all on plinths, are just spoons. Oh. And the top is painted 
different colors. That is such a great bit for a skit idea I have where it's the guy with the biggest collection of unpainted miniatures. And like you're just like perusing his aisles with just boxes that are still saran wrapped and shit. Um, yeah, I, I gotta make that happen. <laughs> and his workstation is just spoons. Yeah, he's got a case of spoons. Man. Yeah. Army man. Oh, that's so good. 9,000 paints and he just has like four of them. On yeah, that's so fucking good. If that is you, do not take this to heart. Be that ashamed. We, that we, <laughs> we, we don't hate you. We're not making fun of you, but we kind of are. Yeah, but, what the fuck? Don't, I mean, don't, don't lean away now. <laughs> Obviously, this person we're describing doesn't exist, okay? Right. Maybe they do, um, but all of us, to a certain degree, do some level of experimentation. That's fine, okay? We're not, we're not hating on that, but when it's all you do, that's a problem. You need to progress. Yeah. If this is a polar plunge, do anyone know what? A, do people know what a polar plunge is? I assume so. A pol- well, I'm gonna explain anyway. Okay. A polar plunge is where you—it's usually for charity in the winter, and it's out on a lake, and the lake is frozen solid, and they cut a giant hole in it, and you raise money for charity for saying, "Hey, people, donate some money, and I'm gonna jump in the frozen lake." Okay, so that's what a polar plunge is. It's it, mini painting is a polar plunge. You don't dip your toe in ten times, aka painting spoons. And have that equate to jumping your ass in the frozen lake and getting your butt out. Yeah. Dipping a toe in does not count. Yeah. You need to say at one point, I'm just going to paint this thing. I'm going to dunk my whole body in the frozen lake and I'm going to get out. And then next winter, I'm going to make more money for charity. I'm going to jump in again. Every time you paint a model, you dump in. You don't dump. (laughs) Don't dump in the lake. The next person, like it's so cold, you just shit yourself. <laughs> it just freezes. Would it freeze? I don't. There's only one way to find out. Okay. Like yeah, just go, baby I, Ruths I, I, floating <laughs> from all the people. Baby Ruths. Everyone's shitting themselves. Yeah, that's a reference. Uh, I don't think Scott got the reference. No, I didn't. Um, okay, okay. Uh, wait, wait to have a fun conversation. Make it, you know, go serious on me, John. Yeah, okay? I'm sorry. Yeah, you ruined I, it. I, I was knee deep in polar plunge, turned yeah. to baby Ruth. You had, we, you had to get a little comment section insurance, okay? Yeah, this is how we, insurance. this is how we boost the signal. People like and comment and Cause subscribe. Because they, they're so angry. Because they're like, Scott didn't know what Caddyshack was. Oh, fucking Caddyshack. Okay, I do not feel bad that I don't know that. Okay? Okay? Okay. Maybe that's not. Also, John's like a decade older than me, so he's seen different movies. That's true. Okay, come on. I put that out of the record. We put that back in. And I'm backtracking now. I'm watching the movies that he's watched. Okay, so I have a knowledge. Are you watching the movies that I've seen? No. No? Have you seen The Greasy Strangler? (laughs) I've not seen The Greasy Strangler. Don't watch it. (laughs) (laughs) We had a good conversation last night about waiting, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. That's a great movie. um, Oh, God. What's his name? The guy who plays Deadpool. I keep forgetting. I keep wanting to say Ryan Gosling, but it's not Ryan Gosling. What's yeah, his name? It's Ryan something. Is it? Anyway, it's the guy who plays Deadpool. That's the the snarky dude. Okay, Google. Who plays Deadpool? Oh, God, I'm so stupid that I can't think of his name. Can't read Google at the moment? What the fuck, bro? Fucking technology, man. Anyway, there's your, a guy who, pump, plays, the the guy who plays Deadpool uh, is also in waiting. And that's like his first, I think it's his first movie. No. He's not in waiting. Not his first, yeah, he is. is. Dane Cook in, is Dane Cook in? No, stop. Stop. No, 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 no. It's him. You're right. Deadpool is not his first movie. His name is Ryan no. Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. God damn it. I told you it was a Ryan. <laughs> Are you sure Dane Cook isn't in waiting? I mean, maybe he has a small role, but he's not the main person. Yeah, he's one of the, he's one of the chefs. Does he do the Batwing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> we need to employ that in real life. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, yes. It's Ryan Reynolds. Dane Cook is in it. Oh, there he shit. is in the back. That's Dane Cook? Yeah, I think it's Dane. It's one of... Uh, but also... Wow. Um, Justin Long. Speaking of oh, fucking Sas- yeah, Sasquatch dude. gang. Justin Long. Justin Long. If you haven't seen Waiting... And you've ever worked customer service in any capacity in your life, you need to watch it. Yeah, it is a comedy fossil. What I mean by that is you'll never find anything like it in this time period that we're in. It's and 90s comedy in general is and 2000s comedy is fantastic. Yeah, that was that was how you make your miniatures pop. Yeah, watch waiting. Watch waiting. It always comes down to watching a movie. Yeah, I think that soon this this podcast is just going to be a podcast about homework, where everyone, all the goody PPs, have homework to watch a movie. To watch a movie before okay. the next, well, and now it's a docu series and a movie in this episode. You can watch them while you paint your spoons, right? And so, what we didn't cover today in making your stuff pop is like actual <clears throat> technique. We didn't go through like you do this step, then this step, then no. this step. No, um, and I think that's. We didn't do that on purpose, but I'm going to say we did it on purpose because oftentimes we get so in our own heads about the technique and doing the technique the right way instead of looking back and saying, am I accomplishing these popping goals? Mm. I've been so laser focused on making sure I can do edge highlights right or I'm glazing correctly or whatever the thing may be. All those have a purpose, but their po- purpose really ends up tying back into whether it's popping, whether it's color saturation, whether it's just an interesting looking model. That's their goal. That This is just a tool to reach the goal. Right. Don't ignore the goal in, in for the sake of trying to do the technique right. Hmm. So there's a ton of different resources out there to actually help you achieve that. And the journey of getting small successes of something looking more popping, and this is how I did it, is part of the fun. Yeah. You know, um, just like you do in the sisters cloaks, that is a part of the journey to find what's a efficient way, a quick way that I can make these cloaks look popping in the way that I want them to. I don't want them to be the main focus of the model, but I want them to look good and have some depth. And, and honestly, at this this distance, the one where you did the hard shadows and then airbrush looks pretty good. Like I could see how you could improve that with just a, a technical application more of the the airbrush. But yeah, it's too much. It's too much shadow. That was the problem. Yeah, but I think it looks it looks good. It's the one that grabs my eye most from a distance. From a distance, don't know that. The world looks blue and green. That's some fucking Bette Midler in your ear holes, buddy. You know, I've heard the name Bette Midler before, but I could not tell you a single Bette Midler song. I I bet when I hear one that's like actually not sung by a chimpanzee, um, (laughs) I will know it. Now you know from a distance. More homework. Listen to that song. Listen to Bette Midler. Bette Midler's a great actress, too. I actually like the idea of having a wreck that's totally unrelated to what we're talking about. Yeah. 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 My wreck is Greasy Strangler. <laughs> Greasy Strangler. No, Miller. honestly, Hocus Pocus. You ever seen Hocus Pocus? I uh, I think I probably seen bits and parts of it or the whole movie when I was like super young. Yeah, she's in, she's one of the witches in Hocus Pocus. Oh, okay. Can I just have a disclaimer about Greasy Strangler real fast? <laughs> it's a weird fucking movie. Do not watch it with anyone you care about. <laughs> okay, because they will think less of you for having picked it. Yeah, hundred percent. 
Uh, yeah, okay, cool. That's my. I could say that having never watched the movie, with that disclosure that you've given, the name of the movie is perfect. Because the name alone makes me mildly uncomfortable. It is 100% literal. <laughs> he is a greasy strangler? Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I mean, like it's not like a horror movie or anything. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, I thought of one other thing. Uh, conversions. Conversions make your models stand out yeah. because they make your models look unique from other people. Yeah. Um, and then you can combine it together with a big conversion that's on a cork tower that's sufficiently bright, painted with a hot pink color. And what do you got? Cloud Fiesta! You want it? You wanted the best. You got the best. Yes. That's how you did it. All right. Okay. I'm happy. We did it. High five. We fucking slayed that topic. That very, very high energy. I know. It's all this. It's, mo- like the, it's like the podcast is over. It's all It's all this diet Mountain Dew that brings me all the energy I need to get through the day in any podcast <laughs> ever. It makes me a better loving husband and father. <laughs> Increase my wages by 10%. And and I'm, I'm a safer driver. Because <laughs> I'm awake. And I get... Nine hours of sleep. Also, it, it's the dew of a fucking mountain. Right. What other soda brand gets their liquid like that? These guys are out there with little squeegees, fucking hand squeegeeing blades of grass on mountaintops to get the liquid for this juice. Yeah, just the dew. You know how much work that is? So much work. They have tiny little pipettes and they're just sucking up the dew. There's just like Each. a million Chinese people that are underpaid by Mountain Dew. Okay, now we're getting into the All right, bad. yeah, okay. maybe we don't. Sorry, yeah, that maybe we don't have them sponsored. That was a little defame. Okay. Was, uh, no, no, they don't do that at all. They don't do that at all. No, they have machines. Yeah, machines do it. Machines suck on the, the dew. On the <laughs> fucking dew sucker, dude. Dew sucker? Bro, Pat, you Pat bending, dude. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Here we go. We got the next nickname for all the goody peepees out there. <laughs> dew suckers. <laughs> You're a goody peepee who drinks Dive Mountain Dew. You're officially do sucker. Uh, I don't like. I mean, I, it's okay. I, I, it's, not my, it's, not my, it's not my drink of choice. You're not a true do sucker. That's fine. I don't need to be a do sucker. You suck to do lately. <laughs> hey, oh, speaking of speaking of do sucking, um, <laughs> this is this this is why the, don't you why do you abbreviate that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we just we we don't abbreviate the whole thing. <laughs> Seconds of D, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry to any females that listen to this podcast. It's a fucking shit show right now. It is off the rails. Why are you interested in my uh, seven year old Matt Medium? This we I I come to feel that the models. <laughs> That we paint aren't the true Clown Fiesta, Scott. We are the Clown Fiesta. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. The, the the Fiesta flows through our brush Woo! on our model. Uh, this was a secret ingredient to bringing back that old GW paint. It's a medium? Liquitex matte medium. Not only did it bring it back with like a 50-50 with this and water, and sometimes where they were extra spicy and hard as a rock, I put a little ISO in there to really just break it down chemically. Okay. But this stuff brings it back like silky smooth to the texture that paint's supposed to be, and it actually took that GW uh, paint and made it more uh, matte. So, like... Yeah, honestly, that does not look like GW paint. No, it's it's matte. Um, it's a dude. His name is Matt. <laughs> did, he did it. Did you have any tools you had to use to resuscitate? Or do you not want to talk about that? Uh, I can talk about it. The video will have been live by now, so people can go check that out. I used a mortar and pestle. Okay. Um, which works 
fucking phenomenally, but it is the most time inefficient thing. Like if you have like, I've got two, one or two old paints and I really like these colors and I want to bring them back. Mortar and pestle will be the best thing for that. Okay. I had 80 paints. It took me like 20 minutes to bring one paint back with the mortar and pestle. Okay. I did the quick mental math. So you should get 80 mortar and pestles so you don't have to clean them and yeah. you're efficient. Yeah, and then you just have this this machine where you, you just spin the rod, and as you're spinning it, it pushes the pestle down. Yeah. The boom, no, the mortar. The mor- the I, mor- actually, I actually don't know. And you and, have like a row of them. They're all kind of just like... Yeah, because... And you have a tube coming out. It's giving you some dew at the same time. Yes! It's just... So it's just, coming down from the mountain. It is... It's just... You got a, a tap. It's just a 17-mile tube. <laughs> Go on, there's no mountains in Minnesota. What are you talking about? That's why it's got to be... Uh, 17 miles? 17 miles. More like 17,000 miles well, out to it, California. It comes from Denver. Okay. <laughs> okay. To my house. Yeah. Nobody step on the tube. <laughs> Please. It's running across highways. Yeah, out through Wyoming, through the desert. Yeah. Tube. I'm just sucking. It's like, it's like warm and like cold and weird areas. Oh man! All right. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, any tools that I used? I also oh, used uh, right, right. Like uh, dental tools. To I popped open those. So the nice thing about those old tops is part of the reason why they went. From what I understand, why they dried out so much is they were actually screw top lids. Yeah. Oh wow. Which okay. was so imperative to being able to bring them back to life was to be able to unscrew the top put in the all my my juices and then i smashed them with a dental tool and you smash it up and you let it start to rehydrate and smash it and smash it smash it and then you reclose the top again and you let it sit for 24 hours and then you repeat the process because it'll soak up the medium in the water and start to rehydrate and get a little bit more loosey-goosey and then you repeat it and you mash that thing (laughs) Some of them I had to do for five straight days. And at that point, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm painting with these colors because I'm not, I can't keep this up. I'm not going to get the video uh, done. Do you have a picture of like a dry ass paint pot for the thumbnail? Yeah, because I have a whole bunch that I, I haven't taken a picture. Here's what I'm seeing. Okay. Totally white background. A GW paint pot that is tipped over so you can see the name. And then spilling out of it are like paint chunks. So there's a big pile in the front by the paint pot, and then it kind of tapers out, and then it's just like black font, dead, and then whatever title oh. you want. But nice, nice white background yeah. with a big paint pot. Do you think I not put the model on the the thumbnail then? You could, you could. I don't know. Here's what I would do: I would make two thumbnails, and I'd post it to my Discord and be like, "Which one are you more likely to click on?" Oh, and yeah. then I would pick the one they chose. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Goody pink piece. Thank you. Um, that's a good idea. It's. I mean, yeah. It's a good. It's a good video idea. Yeah. I, it's, I, it's a problem. I took. A, I did a lot of footage of me working with the shit, like nice. trying to make it work. Because like the first third of the video is going to be maybe not that much, but of the first sizable amount is how do you actually achieve this, um, and what worked and what didn't, and, mm. and then. Let's see how it actually performs, which is the actual painting. Mm-hmm. Does it do the do? <laughs> I would say it did the do effectively. All right. All right. On to some news. Oh, crap. Yeah. I thought we were to the after party segment. I thought but... we were done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not done. Ah, news. <laughs> I don't think we got a lot of news. I put two things on. Scott didn't put anything on because he I'm... never does. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, no, it's not true. It's, it's not true. true most of the time. It's not true. What is it? Mother Love and Paint Party. Mother Love and Paint Party. I want to talk about this. Uh, oh, that's the sticker. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monument Hobbies does this thing every quarter where they have an artist sculpt um, two models and then they offer them just for that quarter. I think it's three months um, for you to buy. And I've got an example of one right here that I'm going to be painting later today on our stream. Seriously? For an hour? You're going to paint that? Yeah. I'm you, gonna, are, I'm you, gonna, are you gonna finish it? Oh, are you gonna finish it? Oh, oh, okay, you're gonna oh, finish oh, it? Oh, oh. I'll paint more than just a furry cloak. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the only time you can get the models is when the, the painting thing is going. And so when you get the models, so you can buy the models from them, and they are 3D printed, but the quality is pretty solid for terms of overall crispness of, of resin prints. Mm. This is a weird uh, astronaut skeleton gorilla Z in the uh, they're kind of just wild there's some and there's typically like one more sci-fi and one more uh fantasy um but anyway then if you paint it and post it to social media you get in for a drawing um so each mother love and paint party there is drawings for prizes for those that participate and they're like legit big prizes like there's a big prize package where you get like a a new resin 3D printer and all this other Shit. stuff for it. Okay. And then a bunch of like stuff for monument, like paints and all sorts of crazy stuff. And they have other people that are partnered to sponsor through it. So it, um, from talking to Jason, hmm. um, who is one of the, the co-owners of monument, he said the reasoning behind the mother love and paint party is in our time of COVID where we're, we're feeling so separated for us to kind of do a community paint a thing and share how we interpreted the thing and have just some some fun and, and excitement around it. And I know a bunch of like streamers and stuff are painting it theirs on stream um, to kind of show their thought process about how they wanted to interpret the thing. It's also a phenomenal so. way to drive sales to your business. Right. So Which no flame at all. I'm yeah. like, I should fucking do this with my model, the Duchess. Yeah. 100%. Or any new future models that are of the Wood Elf persuasion. Hmm, if there were wood elf models. <laughs> so yeah. So I that's the thing. There this is the second season and it's still going on probably for at least another month, like a month and a half by the time this episode goes out. So you can check those out if you're interested. Otherwise you can, you know, check the next season and see what cool models they have if you want to participate. And um I think we can link the I have the link on here. So we can link directly to the Mother Love and Paint Party page on monuments website so you can find out all the details and see what the huge price packages are very cool what else scott let's, let's talk about some of like giant vampire bro. let's talk about giant vampire so the, just recently and uh the full warhammer fest a week long of releases has came out from games workshop mm -hmm. and before we get into talk about the specific things I want to know if you have any opinion or thoughts about how GW has changed in the times of COVID where typically this kind of stuff would happen at ooh, events, like at the, ooh. the the physical Warhammer Fest in Nottingham. Like, like how I took the last A out. Nottingham. Yeah. Um, and they have Golden Demon. They have tournaments and the full Warhammer Fest or whatever. And then they have these reveals yeah. at that place. Now it's fully virtual. What are your thoughts on kind of how they do that? Okay, well, I know what you want me to say. Okay? They could give a shit about production. <laughs> okay? Which is true, but for some reason, I don't think about that. No, it's, but it, it's but, fine. But 
but let's just let's just entertain this idea for a moment. What is happening to you? You're erupting from inside out. <laughs> yeah. The Mountain Dew volcano is about to erupt. <laughs> the mountain is coming out, dude. Um, so this is a billion dollar company and they're teasing products that hundreds of thousands of people are potentially interested in buying. And they're teasing it via a Google Hangout live stream with two guys who don't even have nice cameras or nice mics. It's like, I mean, get them in the studio. Yeah. Have a nice camera that's attached to a capture card. I fucking do it for my live stream, and I'm, I'm, I make peanuts compared to GW, and they got the technical know-how to figure it out. Um, so that's like one thing. But like, in truth, I don't actually care about that that much. That would just add to the experience yeah. in a positive way. Yeah. But it, because it doesn't exist, it's not making the experience negative. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I agree with that. But your original question was, what do I think about their transition from uh, doing these things at live shows to doing them more split up in a, in a live stream fashion, mm-hmm. like the comparison? Um, to me, it seems like a very natural, obvious route to take given the circumstances. Yeah. And, I, and I'm fine with them. I'm on board. I don't really have any thoughts that are complex i would say that one important thing is that typically at warhammer fest and i think i believe they've said this they'd have about 200 people there for the reveals oh in person people yeah you're right and now they're averaging like thirty thousand viewers yeah thirty thousand and they had they hit thirty thousand at the age of sigmar one on monday they hit well over thirty thousand for the warhammer 40k one on tuesday gaunt's ghost revealed yeah. So, okay. Oh is that what we talk about? They're talking about Sisters of Battle. Is that what that is? Oh, Gaunt's God. Ghost? No, Gaunt's Ghost is uh, it's an Imperial Guard or oh, that was Astra a different, Militarum. That was a different day, wasn't it? I don't know. Oh, Maybe those, was. those dudes did look pretty cool. Yeah, they look pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, just the reach. And hopefully, to me, the biggest thing is hopefully this is the start of the snowball down the mountain of dew and, <laughs> <laughs> and gets them understanding that this is only the beginning of what the potential of of using technology to their advantage in their marketing and their communications could be to boost the signal of the brand even more yeah. so i'm happy with it I'm, I'm totally on board with you as well saying that like it, it's kind of half-assed yeah the dudes are fine they're fine by the way yeah. yeah they're fine i'm not flaming them at all yeah i watched them in the cool studio and you know yeah, like, dude, they have a giant space marine in the background. Uh, have like a three camera setup with a wide and two close ups. So you can have someone switch between the three cams when yeah. one person's talking. It's be, it'd be really cool. I can tell you that I remember um, from Reaper's um, channel on Twitch when they would be announcing stuff and showing things for like their new Kickstarter bones Kickstarter and stuff. Their production quality was so much better. And really, they were in studio, and this was in COVID as well they're in studio they're cutting to a different area they're showing a different thing they come back they do close-ups of a 360 to show off a new model and they would be talking to different designers and artists and blah blah like if reaper can do this i think you can do it gw i think you can do it i think maybe the question is just like is it worth it maybe that's the question they're asking themselves yeah i mean it only costs you like 1500 bucks guys i mean (laughs) it's not gonna be that much so 
Yeah, but overall, I like that it's an experience. It's a like it's noon. It's almost noon, and you get on and see what new Warhammer stuff's going to be out there, and yeah. that feels cool. It feels sure. like it's pulling the community of gamers and painters and hobbyists from around the world at one time together to all experience this together. It's like the E three video game shows and stuff. It's starting to feel more like that, and I think that's the right direction. I think that's really cool. Unfortunately, it also it greatly expands the salt from people that don't like something because more eyes are on it in one time. When people go to Reddit or they go to Facebook or they go to whatever to talk about how ridiculously stupid this vampire centaur looks, <laughs> like everyone, more people are aware and jump on the extreme sides. I love it. I hate it. And. It, All it, publicity is good publicity. Yes, and the fire rages higher quicker. Yeah. So okay, you know, but that's that's fine. That means more people are talking about it. Yeah, and that's good publicity. So yeah. So in one of these live streams, we saw the release of some. I think we assume probably the final vampires for Soulblight Grave Lords that we're going to see, um, uh, barring maybe one exclusion. Um, we saw a big centerpiece model. We saw some dire wolves, mm -hmm. and we saw. Um, Two items that are very oddly in the cursed city world. Right. Yeah. And so to me, they seemed like those were obvious planned expansions for cursed city that just are now soul black grave Lord named characters. Yeah. Of which there are like four or five. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of named vampires up in here. You got rat boy. You got someone called this lady, the Disney princess one with the crazy pointy hair. Yeah. 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 You got old mama wolf lady. Oh, Mama Wolfie. You got Young Wolf Man. Radicar, Radicar the Radic Beast. Radicar. He has two versions, apparently. Um, the new Night Queen Centaur Lady. Yeah. Is that six? We have six? That's it, right? I mean, if I, I, I mean, guess you can't really count yeah, these ones. Yeah, they're all named, but not, you know, not for the game. Not for the... I think there might be another one we're forgetting. But. Okay. So, yeah, I think at this point, we've seen all the models we're probably going to see for that army. It's an amazing amount of models. Very happy. But the one we're going to talk about right now is the giant centaur dragon. Their centerpiece. The centerpiece model. model. Which I was jokingly saying it was going to be Aberash. And I was like, it's not going to happen. But in my head, I was like, please happen. It wasn't. Whatever. Uh, different named character. Um, the dual kick we made into two different people. Yeah. Which is an exciting thing from a play perspective. Because when you're thinking about the whatever the lord, the dude is, who's not named... Um, might end up being very powerful or the more powerful of the two just simply because he can take an artifact and a command trait because he's not named. And he's mm. a big, if his stats are big and nasty with the addition of a sexy artifact or something, he could be the even, way to go. Even nastier. Even nastier. Yeah. Okay, so out of 10, what's your rating? Of of Vampire Centaur? Yeah, just like the, the whole kit. The whole kit, like six and a half yeah i'm at like six or five somewhere yeah. in there i don't hate it i don't love it it's I, interesting i get it a deviating from what's normal that's kind of cool um but yeah, like it's, it's just it's kind of weird it's it's, it's wild it's it, wild for sure yeah my, my thing is with the actual the body morphing is just kind of it's just off i mean i guess it is not totally unlike a, a real centaur where it's got two rib cages it's got in theory two hearts it's got because of where the they connect. Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, I'm kind of curious how that thing came to be. 
Right. It's like how we get such a big humanoid character yeah. on it's, top of a dragon. I, I'd say if there's the one thing that is weird is weirds me out the most is that it looks like a vampire. Like the top half from the waist up. It looks like a vampire. They're just big. They're that's just what I'm saying. Huge. It's, it's like, like, that's a, it's like a big vampire. Yeah. That's weird. And then they're like just they just like dress like every other vampire. They kind of just look like a regular vampire. They just Honey, I blew up the kids, kind of thing. Where yeah, like, yeah, it's a little copy pasted. Uh, yeah, um, and it's. I mean, I would have loved. I love. I don't love. I eight and a half out of ten. The monster part. Yeah. If that was a mount, the front arms with the big creepy bat wing fingers. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. If that was a mount with a big nasty head, and there's an awesome vampire on the top of it. Uh, nine out of ten. Yeah. Not that, uh, so, not that you couldn't kit, kit bash it. One but. cool thing about this is while they did not make Aberash, what Aberash was famous for is discovering that you could slake the eternal thirst by drinking from a dragon you slay. Slew, sorry. Slew! You gotta kill yourself, and then when you drink its blood, you become, you're like, I don't need blood anymore. So Aberash doesn't drink blood anymore, which is sick. And that's what created the blood dragon chapter of the Blood Knights. People, they would go each individually and kill a dragon and drink its blood. Super elite warriors. Um, so this thing in the story of this model, they mention that idea or that, that theme of dragons and their ability to help with the eternal thirst. Whoa, baby. That's some Kinda deep cool. stuff. Kind of cool. Deep stuff. It's weird that they don't have, they didn't have a new Mortark if the big centerpiece model yeah. is that. Also, I, st- there's, I think this is probably the whole range or at least the range <laughs> for release. But there is a chance on that front cover of the book, it's got what looks to be a vampire on a zombie dragon, but it's certainly not the zombie dragon as we know it. That still could maybe happen. Sure. Yeah. Um, also, we will probably see more not cursed city, yeah, inclusions. I love that Radicar model though. Yeah, that dude, jet, I just love that dude. The drippy blood into the little mouth, of the fledgling, very cool detail. Yes, like his armor too. If you just look at like the big armor plate on his shoulder with all like the almost like Celtic knotwork in it and his chest yeah. piece, very well designed, very very cool. And there is apparently a. You can. This is truly Rise of the Lycans here. Good old yes. underworld Rise of the Lycans. My problem with that though is that so they've had this this theme of vampires forever. The four bloodlines being Lamians, which are females who are sed- seductive, beguiling. Strigoi, which are monstrous, like wolves, like mo- you know, evil monsters. They eat corpses. They're, they're fucked up. You have the Von Karstens, which are the suave, typical, I'm going to climb to the top of the social ladder and fuck up your city kind of vampire. You have Necra, which are the wizardy vampires. And you have the the blood dragon line, which are the combat vampires. They've had this, this theme forever. And the thing they replaced Strigoi with was Flesh Eater Quartz. Flesh Eater yep. So in the story of these new vampires, they d- describe them as these having these certain characteristics and describe the wolfy people as having the characteristics I would assume Strigoi would have. Mm. So it's like, what is what does this make Strigoi now? Uh, we have two types of monstrous vampires. Okay, that's fine. But I'm kind of just curious what their thoughts were on that. Yeah, they said that, they hinted anyway, that in the book... That they are, this is how it's kind of broken down by the allegiances. And I'm guessing there's going to be four. And so one is these wolfy boys. One is the 
different monstrous ones because like the big model with it's kind of monstrous one is more magic based and then one sounds like it's more of the combat blood dragon blood knight side okay so i don't know how that's all gonna futz out but sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway. it, doesn't, it doesn't ultimately matter but it just kind of kind of added the confusion of uh like the lore of vampires as it continues and just kind of just gets right. rehashed and cut up every which way and there is it this episode is being recorded on a friday there is rumors that they they have a big reveal either i can't remember if it's today or tomorrow i think it might be tomorrow and saturday that they're going to announce aos 3.0 and well by the time you see this that's why if that's brought up why we're not talking about it in news today because we Report. don't know yet yeah we are prior yeah, okay welcome to the end of the podcast or i'm stretching and we have Jimmy John's in the fridge. Ah! John, why don't you close us out here? All right. With a good old brand placement of some diet, dude. Oh, yeah. You know what gets me to the end of every podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not necessarily false. <laughs> yeah, I stand behind my addiction to Diet Mountain Dew. Uh, but actually, if you are one of the members of the Clown Fiesta... And you want to continue to support us to actually make more Clown Fiesta podcasts, there's a couple things you can do. Follow the Diet Do link in the description. <laughs> Order cases of it. Use it for all things. Put it in your bathtub. <laughs> Use it as hand sanitizer. Your miles with it. Right. Put it in your super soaker. Squirt your sister. <laughs> These are all great uses of Diet Mountain Dew. Uh but actually, the podcast isn't supported at this point by Mountain Dew. And, Not a sponsor. And if it actually ever was, they'd probably just like give us stickers and shit. So <laughs> prove me wrong, PepsiCo. <laughs> Are you handing this off to me? Okay, no, I'm not handing it off to you. I'm going to okay. do it for real now. Okay. Okay. If this is John's first time. Be nice. All right. If you like the podcast and you want to support it, there's a number of ways you could do so. First ones are the free ones. The free ones are rate us on your podcast listening locale. Or you can give a thumbs up, a like, a subscribe to the channel, and you can also tell your nerd friends about us. That way, they too can become goody peepees, and they too can adapt to drinking Diet Mountain Dew on a daily basis. Now, if you really, really want to be a goody peepee, and you want to become the true sprood and true sprudette for your whole neighborhood... It costs you, money. Yes, it, it costs $5 <laughs> dues if you want to back us on Patreon and get full access to our behind-the-scenes after party, where we talk about more crazy stuff... And we swear up a storm, and we bust out the D suckers. We get loose. <laughs> we get fast and loose on the podcast after party. Yes. So as a patron, you get access to the after party. You also can submit to us your ideas for the podcast, just like we had today, so we can maybe talk about the thing you want us to talk about. You can also submit your miniatures you've painted to us, and in the after party, we critique them in an Oreo cookie fashion. Mm. Good thing, bad thing, good thing, mm. right? You know, sometimes so, the bad thing is a little bit thicker. Sometimes it's a double stuff. Sometimes it's triple stuff. Sometimes we take two double stuffs, we unscrew them, we put the two cream sides together. Yes. That means you suck. <laughs> but don't worry, we'll eat this sandwich cookie together and we'll get through it. So you can support us. You can also pledge $1 you do on the, on the Patreon if you just want to support our 
Drinky Do's addiction as well. You could also consider buying some merchy merch. So I'm wearing a Ninjon merchy merch today, but trust us, we have our own merch. Right. And it is sweatshirts, hoodies, t-shirts that have the Trapped Under Plastic logo, as well as our meat and potatoes. Great visual. Rip that phrase. Ripped it. Okay. What else did I miss, Scotty? You got it. I got it all. So that's it. Fucking that man. is our podcast. We are going to golf clap our way out of here until the next <laughs> fortnight. And when we do, we will see you on the Flippity Floor.